Welcome to Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. Today, Dr. Forrest teaches on Jesus Christ, Master of Time, Master of Destiny. Let's say our confession as a church. We are a church growing and thriving, overflowing with love, strengthening the family, transforming the community, impacting the world, where every member is a minister and a church alive is worth the drive. Amen. Hallelujah. So Jesus Christ, master of time, master of destiny. It turns out if you really dig into the scriptures, you can see that Jesus, our Lord, was acutely aware of the timing of his life in ministry. Every season, every significant event, especially the three and a half years of his ministry, was closely coordinated with the Holy Spirit and always submitted to the will of the Father God. For 2,000 years, it had been prophesied, and Jesus was determined that everything would be fulfilled exactly as it was spoken by the prophets. His crucifixion, his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension had to be according to God's timing. He not only had to die, but he had to die at the right time, and he had to die in the right way. Amen? Hallelujah. So let's begin with the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Luke chapter 4, verse 16. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister, and sat down, and the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. I reckon so. And he began to say unto them, This day... Is this scripture fulfilled in your ears? Amen. Now, skip on down to verse 28. And they all worshiped the Lord, and there was great joy in the synagogue upon this announcement. No, it says, And all they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath, and rose up, and thrust him out of the city, and led him unto the brow of the hill, whereon their city was built, that they might cast him down headlong. But he, passing through the midst of them, went his way. Now, there's some really cool stuff going on here, folks. But first of all, why did Jesus pass through the midst of this angry crowd and go his own way? Well, the obvious answer most people would think of was he didn't want to die. But the more precise answer is this. It was not the time for him to die. And it was not the way that he was supposed to die. Amen? Galatians 3.13 says that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. It does not say, cursed is everyone that's thrown off a cliff. That's a quote from Deuteronomy 21.23, by the way. But an even more interesting question to me is this. How did he pass through the midst of this angry crowd with no apparent 
resistance. Did he go like Obi-Wan and just wave his hand and said, this is not the Jesus that you're looking for? (laughs) And just kind of walk through? Or did he somehow dematerialize his body and pass through them and then rematerialize when he was a good distance away? I don't know, but it's pretty fascinating to think about. Yes, it might have been a cloaking device for you Star Trek fans. (laughs) But I think it's fascinating that Jesus was aware of the timing of his life and ministry. It was not his time to die. He had just begun his ministry. Furthermore, it was not the way that he was supposed to die. Amen. So soon after Jesus begins to heal the sick and do many miracles, uh, crowds begin to follow him. They begin to follow him because he did miracles of healing and miracles of provision in their midst. John chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. Amen. Now, if you read on in the book of John, it's fairly lengthy, so we're not going to read it all. Jesus feeds the 5,000 with their families with five loaves and two fish, a great miracle of provision. Let's pick it up here in verse 14. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, that is the multiplying of the loaves and the fishes, they said, this is of a truth that prophet that should come into the world. When Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed again into a mountain himself alone. Why did Jesus head up the mountain alone before the crowd could make him king? Why would he run from such a thing? Surely he knew that it was his destiny to be the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Although this was true and the prophets had foretold this for hundreds of years, it was not the time or the place for him to inherit his earthly kingdom. His destiny was to be crowned the king of Israel and sit on his earthly father David's throne in Jerusalem, not in Galilee where these events took place. And that was at least 2,000 years in the future. Amen? John chapter 7, verse 1 through 8. This is the English Standard Version. After this, Jesus went about in Galilee. He would not go about in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. Now the Jews' Feast of Booths was at hand. King James calls it the Feast of Tabernacles. So his brothers said to him, leave here and go to Judea that your disciples also may see the works you are doing. For no one works in secret if he seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For not even his brothers believed in him. Jesus said to them, my time has not yet come, but your time is always here. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify about it that its works are evil. You go up to the feast. I am not going up to this feast, for my time has not yet fully come. Again, you see that Jesus was acutely aware of the timing of his life, his ministry, even the manner and the timing of his death. And it was not time for that to happen. He knew that the Jews were seeking to get him alone so they could arrest him and kill him. So he took 
some natural steps, and I believe some supernatural steps, to make sure that that did not happen before it was supposed to. Amen. So what he did is he chose to go to Jerusalem in the middle of the feast. And you read that in John chapter 7, verse 14. About the middle of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and began teaching. He either snuck by or passed by the Jews unnoticed in the middle of the feast. When he was surrounded by the temple crowds, he began to teach. He knew that they perceived him to be a prophet, and if the Pharisees came and tried to arrest him, they wouldn't let it happen. He did some smart things in the natural, but he also did some supernatural things as well. So from here on out, as you progress through the book of John, you see what I call a series of moves and counter moves. What the religious crowd did and what Jesus did to counter them. I mean, it was like some cosmic game of chess. But the chess players were completely outwitted, outmaneuvered, mesmerized, or overpowered by the chess grandmaster himself, that is Jesus Christ. Amen? He was just too smart for them. John chapter 7, verse 28 through 32. So Jesus proclaimed as he taught in the temple, You know me, and you know where I come from, but I have not come of my own accord. He who sent me is true, and him you do not know. I know him, for I come from him, and he sent me. Verse 30. So they were seeking to arrest him, but no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. I mean, that means there were times when they wanted to arrest him, but something would not allow them to arrest him. Yet many of the people believed in him. They said, when the Christ appears, will he do more signs than this man has done? The Pharisees heard the crowd muttering these things about him, and the chief priests and Pharisees sent officers to arrest him. Amen. John seven forty four to 46. Now, some of them wanted to arrest him, but no one laid hands on him. They tried to arrest him on many occasions, but they were not able to. Either one of two things happened. He slipped past them supernaturally, or they were just in a fog, and they just were frozen and paralyzed and couldn't do anything. They came to arrest him, and then they walked away. What did we come here for? (laughs) What were we supposed to do? Who knows how it happened, but I think it's fascinating to contemplate. Let me read that again. Some of them wanted to arrest him, but no one laid hands on him. The officers then came to the chief priests and Pharisees who said to them, Why did you not bring him? The officers answered, No one ever spoke like this man. They were paralyzed in his presence. I mean, they wanted to arrest him. They just couldn't do it. Nobody ever spoke like this guy. You go try and arrest him. John chapter 8, verse 19 and 20. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. Let's continue. John eight fifty-seven through 59. So the Jews said to him, You are not yet 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. 
So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Again, there's that cloaking device. Every time they tried to nab him before it was time, they were not able to. This because Jesus knew exactly the timetable he was supposed to follow. John chapter 10, verse 17 and 18. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. In other words, he was putting folks on notice. Jesus made it clear that they were no match for him. He was holding all the cards and they weren't going to be able to take him until he was ready to be taken. Isn't that cool? That's the Jesus we serve. Amen. John chapter 10, verse 39. Again, they sought to arrest him, but he escaped from their hands. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So you see, move, counter move, move, counter move, and they were never able to quite get a hold of Jesus the way they wanted to until it was the right time. When the time was right, Jesus surrendered to his destiny and willingly gave himself up to be scourged and crucified. Let's read about it in John chapter 18, verse 4 through 6. Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, did you hear that? Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, he knew everything that was coming his way. Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said to them, Whom do you seek? This is Jesus in the garden when they came to arrest him. Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said to them, Whom do you seek? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. When Jesus said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Amen. People say, where is fallen out in the power in the Bible? Here's one place. Another place I just read about this morning. Paul was on his way to Damascus. He was knocked off his horse by the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says all of his company was laid out on the ground. And then Jesus spoke to him. Why do you think they were laid out on the ground? Because they fell under the power of God. Amen. It is scriptural. It is biblical to fall under the power. But I'm here to declare to you, I'm one of those preachers. I don't need no CDs. Courtesy drops. You don't have to fall unless it's God. It doesn't matter to me one way or the other. I'm still going to bleed you're saved, healed, or delivered when I lay my hands on you. Amen? I don't care if you fly to the back of the room or just stand there like nothing happened. I believe you're healed. I believe you're saved. I believe you're delivered in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. No CDs required in this church. Hallelujah. How many have ever heard that before? Nobody? All right. Praise the Lord. All right, so Jesus said, I am he. Now, the phrase I am he here is a little misleading because the word he was added by the translators. It's not in the original text. Jesus simply responded when they asked where Jesus of Nazareth was. He said, I am. He used the same words that God used when Moses asked God, who should I say sent me? 
He said, tell the Israelites, I am has sent you. So Jesus is standing there declaring, you're in the presence of Almighty God right now. I am. And they fell like dominoes. I feel the power on me right now just saying it. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And I guarantee you every one of them that were laying on the ground knew that Jesus could have stopped them from taking him if he wanted to. I bet they were fairly gingerly holding him and arresting him and binding him, wondering, I hope a bolt of lightning doesn't come off his hand to take me out, you know. They knew, those men knew that Jesus could have stopped them if he wanted to. Let's read one more passage to put an exclamation point on what I just said. Matthew chapter 26, verse 50 to 53. Jesus said to him, that's Judas, friend, do what you came to do. Then they came up and laid hands on Jesus and seized him. And behold, one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. That was Peter, impulsive Peter. He pulled out a sword, and you know what? He wasn't going for the ear. He was going to split that guy's head in two, and he missed and cut off his ear. So it was a fairly violent act. All right, amen. Then Jesus said to him, Put your sword back into its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my father, and he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels? Let me paint a picture for you. A Roman legion at full strength was about 6,000 soldiers. So if you do the math, Jesus was saying, don't you know I can call my father and he'll send me more than 72,000 angels if I need them? Haven't you figured out these guys aren't going to take me unless I want them to? Glory to God. Hallelujah. Jesus, all through the book of John, just read it sometime. He was aware of the timing of his life in ministry, even the timing and the manner of his death, and he made it clear to all those who came for him, I am allowing you to take me because this is my calling, this is my destiny, and now is the time, amen. Let me wrap it up by saying this. Jesus willingly gave his life so that all men could have everlasting life. So if you haven't given your life to Jesus, I urge you to do so now. Ask Him to be your Lord. Surrender your life to Him. If Jesus already lives inside of you as a born-again, Spirit-filled believer, listen to me. I'm talking to folks this morning. Isn't it time to surrender the times and seasons of your life, your calling, your destiny to the Master of time, the Master of destiny who lives on the inside of you? If you've been fighting the call of God on your life, I exhort you to surrender and let God walk you into the destiny he has planned for you. If you are pursuing the call of God on your life, but you have a tendency like me to get ahead of God or fall behind the timing of God in your life, repent of that and make a decision today to surrender the times and the seasons of your life to Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. Now, before service started, the Lord gave me a word. And he used that passage in Acts that I just referenced about Paul getting knocked off the horse. 
and receiving the commission from Jesus personally. You know, after he got knocked off the horse, he was on his way to Damascus to arrest Christians and throw them in jail. He got knocked off his horse and Jesus said, you're persecuting my people. When you persecute my people, you are persecuting me. Now stand and I will show you the things I've called you to do. Later on, he was given a testimony to King Agrippa. And he said, whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly calling. In other words, I received my calling and I have been faithfully carrying it out. There's somebody here today. There's a call of God on your life and you have been disobedient to the heavenly vision. And the Lord is calling you to repent and turn around and do what you know God has called you to do. Whoever that is. The Holy Ghost is not going to put you on the spot. I'm not going to put you on the spot. Just know that it's time to turn, to repent. You know, the word repent means to be going one direction and then to turn and go the other direction. So whoever you are, receive your calling. Surrender to it. And if you choose to do so and you want to share this with me after the service, I am here for you to share that with. Amen? Glory to God. Well, This was different than any other message I've ever preached, and I will preach it again because it's really strong in my spirit. I just feel like people need to know that there are times and seasons in your life, and I'm telling you, we're in a period of acceleration right now. Some people interpret that as going faster. I personally, as a time and space guy, I think time is passing at the same rate. It's just that more things are going to happen in a shorter period of time, and it appears to be an acceleration. So it's time for the people of God to get into position so they can be used by God for this next great revival, which will precede the second coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. We need to be about the Lord's business. Okay. You need to be running your race and you need to complete your course. Amen. Because lives depend upon it. There are people you can reach that probably nobody else will ever reach. And God's calling you to reach them. So be the person God called you to be so you reach the people God called you to reach. Amen? Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message on Jesus Christ, Master of Time, Master of Destiny. If you would like to learn more about Faith Life Fellowship and access more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, you can visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington. We believe in God the Father. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit. And He's given us new life. We believe in the crucifixion. We believe that He conquered death. We believe in the resurrection. And he's coming back again